Hey, welcome home. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're glad to have you with us on the broadcast today. I'm coming to you again here from the sanctuary at Legacy Church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, where our good God is doing good things and greater things are yet to come. Let me talk to you just for a moment today before we get into the Word together about some of the greater things that are happening right now and the greater things that we're looking forward to in the days just in front of us. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 2, to enlarge the place of your tent. He said, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings and do not spare. One translation says, spare no expense. You know, God's not cheap. Let me say it again, God's not cheap. He said, don't spare, spare no expense, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Verse 3, for you shall expand. He said, you'll expand to the right and to the left. And then he said, your descendants will inherit nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. That's exactly what's going on right now at Legacy Church and with the partners, the global partner family of Pearson's Ministries International. We are right in the middle of a plan to expand. That's what the Lord began talking to us about several weeks ago. So that's what we're doing. And he gave us three areas in this ministry that we are called to expand in. Number one, inside. Number two, outside. And then finally, worldwide. There are places within this building. We're still pretty new here. And we've spent the last couple of years getting this sanctuary ready for church. But now it's time to expand throughout the rest of this building. Making room for more families and people to come to church. So there's expansion taking place right now inside. Some cleanup, some clean out, some remodel, some reconstruction. And we're excited about this inside expansion. There's also some expansion outside our property that we need to do in the parking lot. We're already running out of room for cars. We're already bursting at the seams. God is doing something great here, but we got to keep up with it. And we, we need to expand in the parking lot. We need to expand even to the highway that leads in to our property, putting in some turn lanes, making it safe for people to come to church. So we're expanding inside, we're expanding outside, but we're also expanding worldwide. And that's what legacy television is. That's what the, the outreach of legacy music is. A lot of new songs coming out of this new church. And we're excited to share them. Not just with this local family, but with the global body of Christ as well. So right now, let me give you an opportunity to sow into expansion as you believe for your own expansion. Because God is calling you to expand. And if, if expansion's not right now on your mind and in your heart, then you're not thinking big enough. You're not believing big enough. You need to expand. You need to say, Lord, enlarge my heart. Expand me on the inside. And you realize that's what our giving does. When you sow, particularly when you sow at a level you've never sown at before, there's expansion taking place. Come on, let's get into the Word together, and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. In John chapter 11, Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus, and I, I want to start with the end of the story, because you know it. I don't want to pretend you don't. Um, Jesus said in verse 39, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time, there is a stench. He stinks, for he's been dead four days. You say funny things when your soul is in trouble. I bet she looks back on this now and said, what would I care? 
What is she concerned about? Embarrassing Lazarus? Oh, he smells bad. But you know, her soul is, is in a way, is in a condition. She said, Lord, by now, you know, he's been in there four days. By now, he, he stinks. There's a stench. And uh, Jesus said to her, listen to this, verse 40. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, what would happen? You would see the glory of God. So this glory we've been talking about, the heavy, weighty presence of God, it should come as no surprise to you that faith is involved. And I have to say that because I think many, many, many Christians, much of the body of Christ, would be quick to acknowledge, oh, yes, we want the glory of God. We want to see the glory of God. We want the presence of God. But then when you say, okay, how? How do we see that? How do we experience that? They probably look back at you and say, well, he shows up if he wants to, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. And they label that the sovereignty of God. But what did Jesus say to Martha? Didn't I say to you that if you would do what? Believe. If you would believe. If you if you would believe, you would see the glory. What does her faith have to do with this? If he's just sovereignly going to do what he wants to do, why say that? Why require something of her? Is it possible that her faith or lack of it has something to do with how this whole thing's going to turn out? You can tell that's not widely accepted. But it is all over the Bible. How many times did Jesus tell people, your faith made you whole? No, the sovereignty of God healed them. That's not what Jesus said. It was the power of God. That's not what Jesus said. He said, your faith has made you whole. He said, all things are possible to him who believes. believes. He keeps bringing it back to your faith over and over and over. Your faith is the great connector to you and God. It's your access to him. It's your access to his life. It's your access to his power. It's your access to his provision. But don't kid yourself and don't be deceived thinking well, if he wants to, he will. If he doesn't, he won't. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. That's not what Jesus said. And evidently, standing here at this tomb, we know why Jesus is there. We know what he's capable of doing. We know what he wants to do. And yet he's talking to Martha about her faith. Why? Huh? Because it's required. It's what pleases him. And without it, there is no pleasing him. And he said to her, didn't I tell you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Now, we've already talked about this earlier today, but what is faith? What is belief? It's a response. And faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. 
Remember I told you it's communication. So the word God is speaking to you. Faith is you responding to what you've heard. So in other words, you cannot have faith, quote unquote, for anything that you don't have a word on. It has to start with the word. And we have faith for our healing, but only because we've got word on it. We've got faith for our salvation, but for one reason only, we've got the word on it. Without that word, what you're believing, you made up. You know what that's called? Make believe. You've got to have a word. You have to have the foundation of the word. God speaking to you by his word. God speaking to you by his spirit. See, you got to know your Bible. There's got to be a living fellowship and relationship with your Bible. What do you mean, like read it? Yeah. Yeah, but how much? I don't know, like every day? Yeah, every day. It's a lamp. It's a light. And without it, you are stumbling around in the dark. You've got to have a word. But once you have that word, now faith is present. I've got something to respond to. Now, you know how this whole thing is. Ends, verse 41, they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. You've heard me. I know that you always hear me. Man, I love his confidence when he prays. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Now... When he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. So let me ask you, did they see the glory? But no fire fell. See, this is what I'm telling you. You got you to gotta open up your expectation and consideration of what the glory is and how it manifests. This man was dead and had been, and now he's not. What did they just see? The glory. We talked about it last week, Resurrection Sunday. What was it that raised Jesus from the dead? It was the glory. It was the glory. How do we know that? Well, the Bible says it was the glory. And then we know that his body that was raised by the glory became a glorified body. And that's what the glory does. Among other things, it raises the dead. And I'm not just talking about from physically dead to physically alive. Anything that's died, anything that's dying, any degree of death that's at work. And that's what any form of sickness is. I don't care if you're talking about a cold or cancer. It is death at work. It's death at work. And you know what you need? You need the glory to fill the temple. You need the glory and the fire of God to consume that and whatever's not of God to burn it up and uproot it. You need the glory. And that's what the glory does. It raises the dead. So that's the end of the story. I think we got to go back and find out how that happened. We've already seen faith was involved. But even that needs, I think, further clarification because 
I, I think people to a degree think faith is saying you're in faith. And that's certainly a start. But just like honor, faith is of the heart. It's always a heart issue. It's what God is looking at. It's, it's where he communicates to, and it's what communicates to him, the heart. And people asking all the time, how do I know if I'm in faith? I don't know if I'm in faith. Am I in faith? Am I doubting? I don't know. Well, the word helps make it so clear. I think we may take time to look at, this, look at this in the coming weeks, but in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, one person after another, Old Testament, and it brings it into the new, but it, by faith, this one did this. By faith, this one did that. By faith, Abel offered unto God. By faith, Enoch had this testimony, he pleased God. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Every one of these things were by faith. So you look back at them and you go, okay, well, if I'm doing that, if that's showing up, I'm in faith. I'm in faith. How does faith express? Huh? How is faith on display? We're talking about God on display. Well, faith can be on display. So let's back up to the first part of this chapter, John 11. What opens the door to the glory? If it's not just whatever, based on whatever mood God is in that day, then that's what people are saying. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Okay, so you're saying he's a little moody and you got to catch him at the right time. Think about what they're saying. No, he's faithful. He's constant. He's consistent, and he's the same. How often? Yesterday, today, and forever. So there's got to be something else that opens the door to that manifested presence and heavy, weighty glory of God. And the good thing is, when you find out what opens the door, at the same time, you're going to find out what's been keeping it closed. What has kept this door to the glory of God closed in your life and in your family? Let's find out. John chapter 11, verse 1. says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. Verse 2. It is that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil, wiped his feet with her hair, What's interesting about this, we're reading John 11. She didn't do that till John 12. Now, just from a natural standpoint, John's writing here, and you've noticed this before, there's a handful of Marys in the scripture. And so, just naturally speaking, you could just be making distinction. One, you know the Mary I'm talking about here. But think about what you know already about Mary and Martha, her sister, and Lazarus, their brother, this family. What happened in the book of Luke? You remember this chapter 10? Jesus and his disciples were just on their journey. 
And it said, a certain woman named Martha went out and welcomed him into her house. I've loved this account in scripture for so long. I see so much in it. But I see more in it today than I ever have before. And if you look at the way the scripture's uh, written and the way it reads, it seems to me, and I could be wrong about this, smarter people than I probably could answer this, but it seems to me this is where they met. Just the, just the tone it has when you read it. A certain woman, right, named Martha, welcomed him into her house. Now, Jesus didn't get that everywhere he went, did he? He preached in a lot of different kind of places. Jesus preached in synagogues. Jesus preached on mountaintops. Jesus preached in the bow of a boat off the shore. He preached to thousands. He preached to hundreds. And he was not met with this kind of welcome everywhere he went. As a matter of fact, there were times when he would preach in the temple or in the synagogue where it seemed like the whole first two rows were sitting there waiting for him to just say something wrong. And the Bible tells us they looked for something to catch him in. I mean, how would you like that? If somebody followed you around everywhere you went, writing down everything you said, waiting for you to slip up, waiting for you to say it just a little wrong. Ah, 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 wrong, ah, wrong. heretic, blasphemer, kill him, crucify him. They're just waiting on it the whole time. I preached in some rough places, but thank God the first two rows weren't waiting to crucify me. And I say that because it makes a difference. It makes a difference on the minister. It makes a difference in the atmosphere of the room. And we want this place to be an atmosphere full of faith and love, right? So love isn't walking around looking for people to mess it, mess it up, miss it. Love's not looking for faults all the time. Love's not, oh, you didn't, you didn't say that just right. Uh, shame, shame. It's not love. But I'm telling you, he's preached to that. He's talked to that. He's met face to face with that. Who knows how many times, but this day's different. He's actually got somebody that met him on the road and said, please, I want you in my house. You are welcome in my house. And he went in. Now you remember the whole story. Martha welcomed him in, but bless her heart, she did what you and I have done and so many of us. She got distracted right in the middle of it and she, she lost her focus and train of thought on what Jesus was saying. And she said, I got to feed him and I got to feed these people. So she goes in there to cook. But remember Mary, right? She sat at his feet, at his feet, at his feet, at his feet. What is that? When you bring yourself low and you give somebody else a higher place, what is that? Honor. Honor. She sat at his feet and she heard his word. And you remember the whole thing. Martha kind of lost her cool about it, but Jesus helped her with it. He said, look, you're worried. You're troubled about many things, but Mary's chosen the good part, the one thing that's needful. What's he saying? She's putting weight in this. She's giving weight to what I'm saying. And don't get upset with her if she ain't giving weight to what you want to cook a meal. She's sitting out there going, no, I'm eating this. I'm feeding on these words. 
And Mary, whether she realized it or not, was essentially saying to Martha and to you and me for all time, man doesn't live by that bread alone, but by every word that's coming out of his mouth. She's sitting there feeding on it and feeding on it, valuing it, honoring it. And then you get to this place in John 11, and you read it was Mary, verse 2, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet. This woman lived at his feet. This woman took every opportunity she could to get to his feet. Honor, value, respect, glory. And what's interesting to me about this is that it's written in chapter 11, and she doesn't do that till chapter 12. What's that tell you? It's of the heart. This is where you start bending the laws of time and physics. God saw in her heart what she would do for him. Now what she and Martha didn't realize was that by welcoming him into their home, they would give Jesus access to their brother when he died. Now, you can't know that. You can't know that Brother Lazarus is going to suddenly and mysteriously fall ill and be dead in a short amount of time. Oh, so what should we do? Oh, we should cook a meal for Jesus. Remember we talked about earlier, making these connections? People don't see that. But their value and their honor for him. And what was in Mary's heart for him. Can you just, can you just hear it? The father going, I see what you're about to do for him, and I'm going to honor you for it now. The honor of God. The honor of God. Verse 3, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, the one whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, you have to stop hearing that through generations of bad preaching. He did not say, God made him sick. What did he say? This sickness is not unto death, but, let me paraphrase, unto glory. And people think he's saying, well, you know, God did this so that Jesus could get glory. Wrong. All he's talking about is how this thing's going to end. How this thing will end up, what the result will be. This sickness will not end in death. Well, I thought he died, but it didn't end there. It's not going to end in death. It's going to end in glory. That's what's in his heart. That's what's in his mind about this. And the next verse says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Just in these first few verses, how many times have we been told how much he loves them? He loves them. Now I need to mention this to you here because this is important. And it's connected to what we've already seen. Their love for him. Well, he loves everybody. Why is he raising everybody from the dead? Yes, he does love everybody, but not everybody has returned that love. 
Not everybody has responded or received that love and responded to it. Do you remember being in elementary school and writing that little note to that little girl or little guy that I like you, do you like me? Circle one, yes or no. And that's romance, isn't it? I'm not trying to dumb it down here, but do you realize that's basically what the Word of God is? This is him going, I love you. Do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? Because this is what defines us. I know he first loved us, but you don't get any of it. You don't experience any of it. That love doesn't do anything for you until you respond to it. The Bible says we know that all things work together for the good. And sadly, so many people stop right there, don't they? Oh, we know all things work together. Well, I'm sick, but I know all things work together. It's back to that bad doctrine, man, bad teaching. That wasn't the end of the verse. All things work together. Now, stop right there. He did not say all things work out. That's how people hear it. That's how people understand it. It's not all things work out. He said all things work together. This is what you need going on in your life. You need these things working together. You get more done with added strength and added power when you're not working on your own. There's a working together. And the Lord's been dealing with me about this, and so I've been saying it over and over. It's working together. All things are working together in my life. Uh, His word and my spirit are working together. His grace and my faith are working together, right? His Holy Spirit, my spirit, they're working together If you've been sick and you got a bad diagnosis and you're on medication, say this, that medicine and my body are working together. They're not fighting each other. There's a a working together going on. There's a working together. And that's what you and I can believe God for, that working together. But he said this, all things work together for the good of those who love him. Are all things working together for everybody? No, all things are only working together for a relatively very small group of people. Who? The ones that love him. Love him. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.